Ms. Ostapenko has no challenges remaining. Welcome to No Challenges Remaining. I'm Ben Rothenberg. Doing something a little different for our Day 3 show during this 2023 U.S. Open. I'm talking to David Wolfstein, a reporter who covers the intersection of New York City and sports for the New York Times. A longtime friend and colleague of mine there about a recent story he did looking at the disconnect between the U.S. Open and the neighborhoods around it in Queens. Corona, Flushing, etc., uh, which are virtually unaffected by this global gathering happening in their backyard each year. It seems like a big missed opportunity for the USDA to do more to integrate the local space. And it's fair to say USDA were not thrilled with David's spotlight on this issue and the shortfall in the paper of record before the tournament. Uh, there's a link to his article in the episode description. Definitely recommend you check it out. And in the meantime, I hope you enjoy our conversation. Here's me and David. Very happy to welcome to No Challenges remaining David Waldstein, who is a longtime colleague of mine from my time writing for the New York Times and now has continued writing for the New York Times about the U.S. Open and some different angles. And one story you wrote before the tournament this year, David, was about the tournament's relationship or lack thereof to its neighborhood in the immediate vicinity of Flushing Meadows, where the tournament site, the Billie Jean King National Tennis Center is. I guess, let me just start at the beginning. Like, What gave you sort of the idea that this could be a good story to write about from this angle? Well, actually, I've been thinking about it for a while, the way this tournament is different from the other slams in that it's really, you know, it's tucked into this park, this beautiful park, massive park uh, in Queens, but really has no connection to the community that it's in. And as you point out, it's very different from Wimbledon and the French Open. And from what I hear, the Australian, although yeah. I've never been there. But I, I, what happened was the editors said, let's do a story about how, uh, you know, the what the U.S. Open means for Queens and, you know, for the neighborhood. And I was like, absolutely. Uh, perfect. I'm on it. So that's that's really how it came to happen uh, now. Yeah. And I was just to close the gap because you haven't been to Australia, been to the other two. But um, yeah, Australia and all three of those tournaments, when I've traditionally stayed there, I stay at some Airbnb or hotel within walking distance of the of the tournament site with usually within a mile of there. And that's never something... Uh, something I wish I'd been able to do more of in New York and never something I'd honestly really consider because the sort of general MO for people covering and attending the U.S. Open is staying in Manhattan and then sort of parachuting in and out via the 7 train or via the shuttle buses or Long Island Railroad each day without really coming into contact uh, with the actual immediate surroundings of the neighborhood. So it really does kind of feel like an island uh, that you're, yeah, you're visiting. It's a- there. It reminds me of the it reminds me of the whole flyover thing in mm-hmm. the United States, and that it's a flyover event. People, even if they're taking public transport, they get on the train in, in Manhattan, and they get off at the tournament at Willits Point, and then when they're done, they get back on and they just they're rattling over the on the L over Queens, and don't really get to see any part of it. Which you know, look, the, there's a reason why. People stay in in Wimbledon and uh, Wimbledon Town and the Village and and the same thing in the Bois de Boulogne in, in Paris. They're, mm-hmm. they're con- considered nice Tony areas, and this area of New York City isn't considered that nice. I mean, Corona is you know it's a hard scrabble area. Elmhurst also nearby and Flushing, you know they're they're not glamorous areas. They're not upscale, and so. You know, I wrote this story that saying that, you know, for whatever reason, there's there's no real connection. And, uh, you know, I think USTA officials are very upset about it. Yeah. But 
let's face it, there isn't. And, and again, they were given this plot of land. Whereas, you know, I think Wimbledon sort of, you know, has a longer history and it's, it sort of came up organically. And so, you know, this is where they are. But I don't really feel like they've done a ton of outreach in, in the community. And people in the park are a lot of people get upset because, you know, space gets taken away from them during the two or three weeks of the tournament. They lose soccer fields for parking. They, you know, the uh, movement is more restricted and so forth. So uh, it's a little frictiony. I think the the relationship, but for the most part, it's like neither side really knows that the other even exists. Yeah, that's the thing. I remember. I think someone recommended to me at some point doing this, getting off this the seven train one stop early at 111th Street and walking the rest of the way to the open mm -hmm. and I had never mm -hmm. been in those neighborhoods before. And even though I would obviously been through that se seven line, you know, probably roughly a hundred times, uh, I don't always take this train, but I've done it a lot since I was even a kid just coming to, as a fan to this tournament. Um, and yeah, just seeing these sort of, you know, areas that I can see a lot of, a lot of appeal in for me. And obviously it's not the same as, you know, everyone who has a suite at the, you know, Arthur Ashe stadium and in, in the Moet suite, you know, drinking, honeydews and champagne and whatever it might not be their aesthetic but for me like seeing these vibrant um you know largely latino but other ethnic groups as well communities mm -hmm. there is part of what i love about being in new york and and yeah and it, i just do think you you lose a lot and also just causes logistical nightmares i mean i've had my own sort of set of logistical challenges for, you know with parking passes and traffic and whatnot uh at this tournament uh here and just thinking like man i wish that there was um, you know, even just even just on the maybe even on the development side, it doesn't have to be the neighborhood per se. But like, I kind of wish someone would build some hotels out there. I, I feel like yeah. they, I feel like yeah. they would do well to have some really walking distance stuff. And it's actually kind of surprising. I don't know if that's something. It's not really something I don't think you touched on too much in the story. But like, you'd think with these two big sporting venues there, and obviously the Met Stadium so close uh, on the other opposite side of the subway station. Why would why is there less? Why is there not more development around this? Why is it? I guess not something mm -hmm. that's become more of a, a destination. Cause I think it took a while for yeah, Wimbledon. Yeah. I think in the old days in the, even the seventies and eighties, maybe I'm not sure when exactly it stopped, but people used to stay in the city of London and then really commute into Wimbledon each day. And that kind of right, finally right. went out of fashion. I wonder if that's on the horizon potentially for, for flushing. Well, they would have to really make an effort to do it. I'll tell you what, you know, you, you mentioned getting off the stop early, but, you know, I drive here and, you know, often, often late at night, and it might be two in the morning after, you know, a late match of, and filing your story and interviews and all that. And I'll, 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 leave, I'll drive out of here. I'll turn up 111th Street and there's taco trucks that are open. It's a pretty vibrant, even, even that late, there's a lot of people around. It's not, you know, it doesn't, you don't, I don't feel nervous. Yeah. And you, you know, you go to the, you go to the taco trucks and you, you, you get some pretty good food, which I, I, you know, scarf down. And then get back in my car and go home. So I actually do have a little more of a connection to it, I think, than a lot of people because I get hungry yeah. late at night. There's also Flushing, which has some of the best Chinese restaurants and, and a couple of excellent Vietnamese restaurants, which is, is only, what, one subway stop away or two? Yep, one. Yeah, so there is an opportunity for the fans, but I think it's also more that I don't think – the UST the USTA does a lot of outreach in, in in some communities and they've done a great job of it, but not really in this local community and maybe not so much in the Latino community. Yeah. No, you're right. They've done a lot like is that, is that, that seems fair to me. I mean, I, I'm thinking of the main outreach that I see them foregrounding is the stuff in Harlem. 
which is yep. great, but that's not where the U.S. Yep. Open is. You know, that's right. in Manhattan. Right. And so, right. yeah, I just think there is a missed opportunity here to have something that, yeah, people feel invested in on both sides, that the U.S. Open feels invested in this community around them and the community feels invested in the U.S. Open because what you're saying is in the reporting you did is remarkable. I don't know if you have any stories you want to tell from the reporting process about people you met or talked to, but like hearing that, you know, there's local vendors or, you know, bodegas or whatever they are who exist less than half a mile from Arthur Ashe Stadium and see no visible uptick in business during these mm-hmm. two weeks or three weeks, even when there is, you know, roughly a million people trickling in and out of these grounds, like that, right. that sort of, they get so intentionally passed over, I think is, is just remarkable from an urban planning perspective or just, you know, logic of you'd think there'd be some sort of uh, radius of benefit that would extend beyond, beyond the, the tournament site itself. But instead it's really just kind of helping midtown hotels. Right. And think about the park also. Now, if you walk around the park, you'll notice that as you get farther away from the stadiums and from, from the grounds, the park gets kind of scrappier. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the park benches aren't painted and the, the, grab, the, the garbage is, is more prevalent. It's not picked up as frequently. There's, the grass is all kind of ratty and scratchy. And, you know, they so the USTA, I believe, contributes $200,000 a year to the park. The local uh, politicians and stuff thinks that's a laughable sum. Yeah, they think it, it should is. be at least $2 million. I mean, let's keep in mind how much money this, I mean, this is, basically what it is, is this This is like a uh, uh, a mint that they dropped in, in this corner of Queens, just churning out money. <laughs> you know, it's it's an ATM and, you know, they, they, they could easily have that park just as gleaming as Central Park is, and it, and you compare it to Central Park, it's 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 nothing like that. And I know that's the same for a lot of parks in New York City. None of them are as nice as Central Park, but really, if the USDA wanted to be a better neighbor, it could do that. And here's another little kind of interesting thing about it: is the advocacy is where is it coming from? Because the chairman, there's there's a, I forget what it's called, but there's a parks board. Mm-hmm. And the chairman of it is the USTA uh, COO, Danny Zausner. So, I mean, is is he going to be pressing the USTA to, to spend more money on that? You know, it, it, it's a, I think, I think, I think some of the people think there's a bit of a conflict of interest there with that. And I spoke to the Queensboro president and, he he's like, you know, you there, there's a, a little walkway by a, a body of water in the park, and it's just mm-hmm. decrepit and falling apart. He's like, it it needs help, and you know they could easily help with that. And I I just think they're they're it's just a little bit hypocritical to me that they're patting themselves on the back over and over, and and, and for good reason about a, a lot of the stuff they do, the outreach, the quality of pay, the yeah. diversity in the sport. But as I said in the story, there's a lot of people that don't feel part of that inclusion. No, definitely. It just seems like a coherent thing they could do to really lean into and actually embrace what's around them uh, in this way. They'd be very organic in a lot of ways and just make people feel, yeah, like like this event is a, it's a good neighbor and part of the community. I'm, I'm just curious if you have any stories from the people you talk to, various people you talk to in, in Corona um, wherever else sort of other, I don't know, municipalities you touched in the story. Mm-hmm. What is their opinion of the U.S. Open or relationship to it? Is it just sort of this like alien spacecraft that land that lands yeah. for three yes. weeks a year behind fences and it just takes off yes. with no trace? 
<laughs> yep. And Ben, I think that's an uh, an apt description, especially because the you know with the roof on it exactly, looks yeah, like yeah. A, uh, <laughs> looks like a spaceship. But I would say the prevailing opinion. You know, I could only quote so many people. Yeah. But the pre- prevailing sentiment is like the what the what oh yeah that you know most people have no connection to it don't go to it don't know about it i met one guy born in in the united states Mm -hmm. and had no idea he's like what the what i said you know the u.s open the tennis and i you know i gestured over and we were literally at that point probably like seven blocks away from it Hmm. and he's like oh 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 the the sports thing you know he wasn't a big sports fan which is fine but it's like can you imagine, you know, going eight blocks away from Wimbledon yeah, no and way. somebody not knowing what, what Wimbledon was? So maybe tennis isn't the chosen sport in the in the area, but shouldn't something shouldn't there be more outreach, you know, in that in that regard? So I, I did. I spoke to a bunch of people that that ran shops. They, they said sometimes they see the workers mm-hmm. from the U.S. Open because they, you know, they have the badges that we wear. And so they, they, they see that they will sometimes come through, you know, and buy something from a hot dog stand or, or whatever. But a lot of the shops, the stores, restaurants, they, they really have zero interaction with it. As, as the Queensboro president, Donovan uh, Rich, Richardson, who's a very capable guy, he said, there's a disconnect. There's a, there's a real disconnect. Yeah. And just a lost opportunity. I do think because I do think that the U.S. Open does lean into selling New York and selling diversity and selling these things that are not, that should not be antithetical to this harmony. And again, like I said, even for just basic logistical things, you know, even heck from sort of a, you know, uh, reduced emissions, climate change point of view, having people stay locally and walk to Mm -hmm. the tennis would be a great boon for a lot of people. You know, hopefully it could maybe be some more affordable options out there than are currently there. Cause obviously hotel prices, especially the sort of post, pandemic uh boom although i say post-pandemic as there's you know a covid surge happening again um on and off site in the city yeah it, it's it's i just think there's a big opportunity for for more and just and yeah just sort of sensing a different sort of flavor of that i really think a lot of people you know who go to the u.s open could vibe with you know i think that there's mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of people who are there who want to who want to see new york um mm-hmm. in an authentic way and you know i was on the, <laughs> the train the other day with someone I told the story on the last episode too, but I was on the train with someone who just talked about, you know, how they regretted not buying more at the Trump Tower gift shop, which, you know, is sort of <laughs> a brand of tourism I don't usually hear uh, much of. Um, but, you know, that's one extreme end of it. And there's other people who probably do want yep. to see more of the, more of the, you know, less polished parts of it that are a little bit more uh, gritty and authentic and, and ethnic and all these things. And, and yeah, and I think there's, yeah, I just think there's an opportunity for, for that. And, and that is, you know, some of that's on USDA for sure. I think, like I said, I think there is probably just a space for uh, developers to build hotels out there. And even with the Mets, too. Yeah. I'm actually curious, for contrast, I don't know if you talked at all about this, but how do the locals feel about the Mets? Is the Mets the same thing or is the Mets more 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 engaged? No, there's there's way there's way more of an engagement, I think, with the Mets. First of all, I think baseball is more popular in the community. Yeah. And then there's it's going on for six months as opposed to just, you know, two or three weeks. Yeah. So, you know, and I, and I quoted Omar Minaya, the former general manager of the Mets who grew up in Corona. And so he grew up going to Shea Stadium to see the Mets. He also grew up playing, you know, he, he they were, him and his friends were displaced from, they, they played 
football, touch football on the, you know, in the park hmm. in the area where the stadium now sits. So, hmm. you know, and, and that happens and, you know, people do get displaced and there are things that change, but uh, yeah, but I think the, the Mets definitely um, are, are more of a draw. They have more of a connection in the community and you know, what else is coming is a uh, soccer stadium and that hmm. will also definitely have more of a connection. Definitely. So, but you know, the USTA, they, they do so well here and it's I, I maybe, you know, some of your listeners may not even know that it's this is public property. This is New York City owns the land. The USTA built all of the infrastructure, all the stadiums and everything. So they paid for all of that. But this is New York City land. So they pay rent for that. They pay. Uh, I forget what the, the base fee is. It's not a ton. Not a ton. And then they pay. Right. But then they pay one percent of their revenues so that's it's a steal i mean really that's so that's so low it kind of is it's like five it's like a, it's less than five million a year yeah i mean considering what they made yeah definitely and and they're making more and more and and, and obviously they're record crowds this year i mean it's been so crowded around yep. the grounds more than ever i mean like even, every every year every, every year they're breaking records this year i got right? this this is the record for me for having bad matches have no seats available like they're not even the good matches yes. not even yes. close matches right. just like any match people are standing room only for so yeah they overflow it in a lot of ways at these 22 dollars honey deuces and whatever else yeah. and you and, know what i saw ben you yeah. know what i saw for the first time ever was police involved in a dispute over seating at a uh on oh, court wow. i think it was court six hmm. and yeah three cops up there and they're they're trying to sort it out and you know it ended up fairly amicably i think but i, I don't remember seeing no, no definitely not. And, but it's a squeeze. It's yeah. a free from. I mean, like there's pressure to, you know, I was yep. even just for me, I love popping out of the media center when I can and finding a court with seats. And that was just sort of, I would go out there and be like, oh, I don't see anything really that, you know, mm-hmm. looks like I can even just drop in and watch something random, you know, not really most of the time. So it's, uh, yeah, they're, they're, it would nice to see that sort of extent to the community. And Dave, thank you mm-hmm. for, uh, providing this, uh, this piece, which I think is very illuminating for folks. And I'll link to it in the description. Hopefully everybody can. And check it out anytime i appreciate you uh inviting thanks you david appreciate it